Our reading today comes from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. If you need a Bible this morning, you can look to the aisles. Our ushers have those available for you. And if you do not own a Bible at home, you can take one of those with you. It's our gift to you today. If you took one of those Bibles from the ushers, we're on page 835. You can go ahead and follow along as I read. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this, uh, this morning and the ability to gather here in this place. I just ask that you be with Pastor Mike as he just preaches this important message that we would all learn from it. We love you. Amen. 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 All right. Well, you can have a seat now. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Let me just like break the third wall and say this. There are a lot of first time guests here today. Uh, Some of you are here for the ordination uh, part of the service, which we'll be doing uh, towards the end. And I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, Some of you are here because you're visiting from out of town. And I'm so glad that you're here. Some of you are here because this is your church family and you come here every week. And I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, It's good to be gathered up here today. This is a big day in the life of our church. Uh, Every single Sunday is a big day in the life of our church. But today is a is a big day as well. We are going to ordain our first set of elders. And so it is a special day that I want us all to remember, but it is also a special day that I want us all to understand in context of what we're here to do every single week, which is to make much of Jesus. What we do here every single week is we make much of Jesus. We make much of the command he has given us to live on mission, to go out into the world, to teach people the things that he taught, to baptize them in his name. We make much of Jesus. And so I want you to understand what's going on today in context of what is going on uh, overarching uh, of all this. So several years ago, uh, I was a junior high teacher and I got invited to a quinceanera. Uh, I probably said that wrong. If I butchered it, I'm sorry. I got invited to this this party and and I didn't know anything about it. I went and they they, they told me there was going to be like a lot of food. And I was like, I'm in. That sounds great. Uh, so I went and I was sitting there at the quinceanera and everything was done in Spanish. and I didn't understand anything about it, but I could tell it was a really big deal. I mean, this girl was wearing a really elaborate dress. Like her parents obviously spent a lot of money. I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't really understand what was going on, but I could tell it was a really big deal. So a couple of years later, I got invited to another quinceanera, but this time I sat at a table with somebody that felt like maybe I should know what was going on. And so they explained the whole process. They explained what the dress meant and and what it meant when the father walked the daughter in. And it was basically the whole thing was a sort of a coming of age thing where this this girl was going from being a, a girl to a young woman. And as I understood it better, I appreciated it more. And so what I want today is for you to know that if you just sit in the room today while we ordain Matt Johnson and Andy Abbott and Alfie Safa, you would certainly pick up on the fact that this is a big deal. It's a really, really big deal, but I want you to understand it in context of why we're doing it. And so today, we're going to look at how we go from where we were last week, which is a celebration of Easter, to elder ordination. Somebody asked me this week, they said, how are you going to transition? Like, how are you going to go from, like, Easter to elder ordination? What's that going to look like? And I was like, well, I'm going to build an on-ramp. And so uh, here's, here's my attempt. So the last time we met, we were in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus had died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb, and then he came back to life. 
life. I mean, this is fantastic. I could end the whole morning right here. Jesus was literally dead. He was in a tomb, and then he got out. And because of that, everybody who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. I and mean, we, could, we could end the morning right there and be ready to sing. I could call Kobe back up, and we'd be ready to go because that is the good news. It's so very, very good. But we got some other stuff to do, so we'll do that. So Jesus comes back to life. He defeats Satan, sin, and death forever so that no one would ever have to be separated from him again. And so what happens next? Like what happens after that? Easter is fantastic. Jesus comes back. But what happens next? Well, if you were to read all four gospel accounts, the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the gospels that tell the story of Jesus's life, this is what you would see. You would read that Jesus spent 40 days here on earth making appearances to his followers after the resurrection. Jesus comes out of the tomb and he spends 40 days here and and he makes some appearances. He showed Thomas the scars in his hand. He forgave and commissioned Peter. He had breakfast with his disciples, but after 40 days, he ascended into heaven where he is at right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf until the time at which his Father tells him to come back down here and make everything right. And that's going to be a fantastic day, and we all look forward to that. If you wonder what is Jesus doing right now, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, telling God, like, hey, hey, this is, this is what's going on with my, my, my friends down there. That's what, that's what he's doing. And one day he's going to come back and he's going to make everything right. But right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave a command. Right before Jesus goes into heaven, he just leaves his people with a word. He gives a command to them. It is, it is a commission. It's a mission statement. He told those that follow him exactly what they should do from the time he left until either he comes back or calls us home. And that statement is called the Great Commission. And Brian just read it to us, but I will read it to you again. It is simply this. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus has all of the authority, all of the authority that ever exists, Jesus have. And with all that authority, he is going to tell his people, I want you to do something. He's going to say, this is what you should be doing. If you wonder what you're supposed to be doing, here it is. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus told his followers, go. Go. Go out into the world. Where should we go? Out into the world. Where is that? Anywhere where you are, go out. Go out into the world. And when you go out, what should you do? You should teach people everything that Jesus taught. That is what you do. And then when they believe, if if they believe, if God would save them and they would believe, then you would baptize them in his name. That's what people are supposed to be doing. It is the clearest mission statement of all time. It is the mission of every single Christian. We are either Christians living on mission or Christians living off mission. That is what Christians are supposed to be doing. And it is the mission of every single church. It is what we are going to be doing. I would tell you this, church, the Great Commission informs every aspect of our Christian life. It informs every single aspect of our Christian life. The the Great Commission is why we do everything we do. It is why we planted this church. It is why we tell our friends about Jesus. It is why we set this building up every single Sunday. And it is ultimately why we are ordaining elders today. I want you to understand that elder ordination is a process. It It is part of this mission that we're living on to tell people about Jesus. And so how do we get here? How do we get from Great Commission to ordaining elders? So Jesus gives this Great Commission. Just allow me to just get through some scripture real quick this morning. It just, just so I can just lay the groundwork. I'm building that on-ramp. How do we get to elders? So Jesus ascends into heaven and tells his apostles to go wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, hey, I have told you what to do, and now I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. 
And we, we, we read that account in Acts. So we read a lot of stuff in Acts today, and it's all going to be up on the screen for you. Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. That's where they're at. They're in Jerusalem. He says, Don't depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he says, Go over there and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He said, I've given you something to do, and now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, which is going to empower you to do that. I've given you clear direction, and now I'm going to give you the tools that you need to do that. So then the Holy Spirit comes, just like Jesus said he would. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And even though the Holy Spirit probably didn't come to you like this, this is what happens when we believe in Jesus. When we believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we become Christians. And when we become Christians, God's Holy Spirit comes to reside in us. That's what happens. That is the power that we have. You ever wonder like, well, how am I going to be able to go out into all the world and tell people about Jesus? I don't feel qualified. Jesus doesn't call the qualified. Jesus qualifies the called. And the way that you get qualified is that Jesus sends his Holy Spirit on you. All right, so that's what happens. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. So these guys are now filled with the Holy Spirit. And so now what do they do? Now, what do they do? They have been commissioned by Jesus and empowered by God's Holy Spirit. So what do they do? Well, they go out and they teach and they baptize and they start right there in Jerusalem and the church begins to grow. If you were to just read through Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, that is the beginning of the church, you would see that these guys get the Holy Spirit and then immediately they go out and start preaching. They just, Like, where do you go? Well, outside. They just walked outside and started preaching. And there was people there of all different, uh, all different nationalities all different uh, um, uh, languages. And so the apostles were speaking to them, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to speak to them in all of their languages. Why? Because that's what they're supposed to do. They don't like say like, hey, maybe someday we'll go on a mission trip, or maybe someday we might eventually get around to telling people about Jesus. They like literally are in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes on them, and then they walk out and start preaching. And then this is what happens. People start to believe. People start to believe. People hear the good news of the gospel. They hear the good news of Jesus, and they start to believe. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 3, 42 through 47. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their possessions, or distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is what happens. They go out and they start telling people about Jesus and people start to believe and they start to gather. They start to gather. Why? Because Jesus said, go out and teach them everything I taught you. And that's going to take a little while. And so they're gathered up together, learning all these things that Jesus said. The apostles are sharing all these things with the people that Jesus told them. And now they're hanging out together. And so they would get hungry, so they would eat together. And, and it would be time to worship Jesus, and they would worship together. I want you to know this this morning, church. The gathering of believers, learning about Jesus, praising Jesus, and following Jesus' commands is the church. 
They started the church. That's where the church gets started. It gets started in Acts. We see it happening right there. This is where we can dispel the myth of rogue Christianity. We can dispel the the myth of freelance Christianity. Some people will say, hey, I am a Christian, but I don't need to attend church because I just have a personal relationship with Jesus. But that idea that we hear sometimes just doesn't appear anywhere in the New Testament. Because this is what happens if you have a relationship with Jesus and you're going out and teaching people what he said and baptizing them, the place you are doing that will look like a church. That will be the church. Now that church might look like a church like this. It might look like a church plant that meets in an auditorium. It might look like a mega church that's really huge. It might look like a house church. It might look like a a group of people that gathers up at the park. But whatever it looks like physically, it is the church. It is the body of believers meeting together to learn about, talk about, and praise Jesus. And so the church in Jerusalem begins to grow. It's growing, and God is adding to their numbers. That's what's happening. It's just, that's what's actually happening. If you were to just read this like a story, that's what's happening. The church is growing, and God is adding to their numbers, and it's getting very big. And people are preaching and sharing and teaching, and the church is growing. And then the religious leaders at the time that are not part of this church, and the government at the time that is not part of this church, look at it, and they don't like it. They don't like it. They don't like that people are hearing about Jesus as the Savior. They don't like it that people are hearing that you can just believe in Jesus. You don't have to do all these good works. You just believe in Jesus. It sounds scandalous to the religious leaders. You mean to tell me that you can live your whole life doing all these things and then you just believe in Jesus? You believe in his life, death, and resurrection and that's enough to save you? That sounds scandalous to people. The religious leaders don't like it. And the government certainly doesn't like it because people are worshiping King Jesus. And they're like, don't be worshiping King Jesus. You need to worship the government, and so they don't like it, and so they start to persecute the church. They start to slander the church. They start to attack the church, and this attack gets really, really bad really, really quickly. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 7, we don't have time to read it, but a man named Stephen gets up, and he just gives a sermon. He just gives a sermon where he tells people about Jesus, and they stone him to death for it. I mean, they stone him. They won't, they won't stand for it, so they, they stone him, and they kill him. He dies. And they start persecuting the church. And as the church gets persecuted and pressed, it starts to scatter. So the church grew, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing, and then they persecute it and press it, and it scatters out. Acts 1 says this, And Saul approved of his execution, uh, uh, approved of Stephen's execution after his sermon. It says, And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And so as the church scatters, and as the people move all throughout the region, all over the world empowered by the holy spirit churches start to pop up so the church got really big and then it got persecuted so it spread out and as it spread out all these people that are out there living on mission going out into the world teaching people what jesus said and baptizing them in his name they start up churches you see persecution of the church leads to the spreading of the gospel and more churches That's what happens. This one church in Jerusalem gets pressed down, scatters out, and starts turning into all these different churches. And so if you were to read the New Testament, if you're just to open it up and start reading it, you would see all these letters. You would see a letter written to the church in Rome, and a letter written to the church in Corinth, and and Galatia, and Philippi, and Thessalonica, and, and Ephesus. You would see all of these letters, and these letters are being written to churches that started up in these areas. And they started up in these areas because the church in Jerusalem got big, it got persecuted, and it spread out. 
And now people are living on mission and they are starting up churches. And as these churches are growing and spreading and new churches are propping up, maybe the church gets too big and so they spread out. That's how our church got planted. We got planted out of another church. The church was getting big and so we planted a new church here, right here at, at, this, at this location. And, and so as these churches are popping up, someone has to lead them and care for the people that are gathered there. Somebody has going to have to lead these people because the apostles, the 12 apostles, can't lead all of these churches. This has become so fantastic that there's all these churches going on and people are believing and getting saved and getting baptized and the 12 apostles can't possibly lead all of these churches. They don't even have like, they don't even have like, uh, like TVs yet, right? So like that can't happen. So we're going to need more leaders. We can't just simulcast like Peter's sermons to everybody. And so people are going to have to do that. So who will do that? who will lead the people, who will care for the people, who will lead and care for the people who are following Jesus' commission to go teach and baptize? Well, Ephesians 4 gives us the answer. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says this, And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. He, Jesus, gave these people to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So he, Jesus, gave these people, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. There is work to be done in the ministry, and somebody is going to have to equip these people that are doing this work. And so Jesus himself gives the apostles, the preachers, the teachers, the shepherds. Now the office of apostle is closed. There was a, a finite number of them. The apostles were literally the people that learned from Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They got firsthand knowledge from Jesus. And so there are no more apostles. That, that, that office is closed. But the office of shepherd or pastor or elder or overseer, which are all interchangeable terms, is open. I want you to know this today, church. Elder, pastor, overseer, shepherd. It is the same term in, this, in the scriptures. It is the same thing. And so as we are ordaining elders today, if you wonder what will Matt and Andy and Alfie be, they will be overseers, they will be shepherds, they will be pastors in the same way that I am. That's what they are. And these people are given as a gift from Jesus to the church to equip the church for the work of the ministry. Ephesians is letting us know there is work to be done in the ministry. What is that work? What is it that we're supposed to be doing? I hope you're starting to really get it. You're supposed to go, teach, make disciples, and baptize people. That is the work that is to be done. And who will equip us to do that? The elders, the overseers, the pastors. That is what they do. So when we launched as a church, I was ordained. I was ordained. I was the guy that was set aside and I was ordained. I was ordained by our sending church, Valley Life Tremonto. They ordained me to be the elder and the pastor at this church. And my job was to equip you, the saints, for the work of the gospel. That is what I do. If you wonder, like, what, is, what does everybody do on staff? Well, I'll tell you what Janine does. Everything. So many things. Like, Janine does so much work. Like, what does Janine do here? Like, so many things. Like, she sets up all the food, and she meets with the community, and she does, like, she does all the things. She does the things. Well, Karen's on staff. What does Karen do? Oh, well, Karen, she does all the paperwork. She does all the stuff, and she, and she tries to keep me straightened out. So that's, that's a horrible job. I mean, I don't even know. We couldn't possibly pay her enough for that. Like, what does everybody do on staff here? Like, what, is, what does Jen Nelson do? Well, 
Well, she, she helps parents. She, she partners with parents to raise kids who love Jesus. That's what she does. Uh, what does Matt do? Matt kind of works on staff under Kobe. Like, what, what does he do? Well, he does the sound. Uh, he works with Mark and he does the sound. What does Kobe do? Kobe prepares us and he leads us in worship. He, re, he, he helps us to respond. And what, is I, what do I do? I equip the saints for the work of the gospel. That's my job here. That is what I do. That is, that is I mean, if we paid the pastor here, that's what I would get paid for. I, I just take it out and like cookies and stuff like that. So I, I'm happy to do that. Um, that's what I do. This looks like preaching the word. That's what I, it's one of the things I do. One of the things I do every week, I just, I, I, I write sermons every week. It's one of the things I do. I write sermons and some of them are good and some of them are okay. And some of them, you know, not so much. And hey, whatever. I mean, that's, that's what, pay me more cookies, right? And the sermons will get better. Uh, that's one of the things I do. I preach the word. Uh, other things I do, I call out sin in your life that is impeding the work of the gospel. If I see that there's something going on in your life that is getting in the way of you doing the work of ministry, I might pull you aside and say, hey, what's going on with that? And talk to you about that. It's one of the things that a pastor does. Uh, one of the things that I do is I, I, I will, when life gets hard and you are struggling, sometimes I will come alongside of you and try to help you so that I can like, lighten that burden in your life. I'll try to go out after you and bind you up. That's a pastoral term to say, to care for you so that you can get back on the mission. And we knew that at some point we would need to add additional elders to do that. When we launched this church, we launched, it was like 60 of us together. And it was like, I could lead 60 people. But as we've grown, it was like, hey, we're going to need to bring on more elders at some point. And praise God, we are at that point and we get to do that today. And so a couple of weeks ago, after many years of prayer and preparation, I made a recommendation to the members of this church that we add three elders here at the church called Mission Valley Church. And so the members had a week to ask any questions about these men or bring any charges against them. Then last week, we took a, or two weeks ago, we took a vote to elect these men to be elders, and they got a unanimous approval. They got a unanimous approval. So church, here's what I want you to know today. I want you to know that you voted for these men. You agreed to submit to their authority as they help me equip you for the work of the ministry. That is what they're going to be doing. What is the job scope that Matt and Andy and Elfie are signing up to today? They are going to equip you for the work of the ministry. That is what they're going to be doing. Uh, do they get like, like a big deal? for like, Does we make a big deal out of them for this? No, it is a humble servant job. That's what they're going to do. They're going to humbly serve you by equipping you for the work of the ministry. Church, you and you alone can make leading you a joy or a burden. That's what I want you to know this morning about these, the, the, the task that these guys are taking on. You can make their job a joy or you can make it a burden. I can testify to the fact that leading you for the last three years has been a great joy in my life. It has been a great joy. I talk all the time about the fact that I get to be the pastor here. And that is because it is a joy to lead this body of believers. It is a joy to be shoulder to shoulder with you, to be arm in arm with you on this mission to make Jesus known here. It has been a joy. I have heard pastors talk about it being a hard job. But I got to tell you, so far, three years in, I love it. I would totally do this for free. I would like, I, 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 I would. And I do. I'll tell you what, don't tell anybody on the finance council, but I would pay to do this job. It's that, it's that cool, right? I love it. And so it is my prayer that it continues to be a joy for these three men. But I promise you this, whether it is hard for them or it is a joy to them, these men will take seriously their call to equip you for the work of the ministry, even if you make it difficult, because these men, just like me, are going to be accountable to Jesus for that. They're going to stand before Jesus and say, this is how we did. And Jesus is going to know. 
Did they equip you well for the work of the ministry? Did they do that well? And so today we're going to ordain these men. And so what really is an ordination? Well, today we're going to do a couple of things. We are going to affirm the call that God has placed on Matt, Andy, and Alfie's life to help lead the church called Mission Valley Church. I believe with every bit of my being that these three men have been called by God to help lead this church. And we are going to affirm that calling together. We are setting them aside for the work that they have been called to do. As the scripture says, this is a noble task, and so we are setting them aside for this work. We are just just taking some time out of our normal day and setting them aside to say, this is the work. You are agreeing to submit to their authority as they equip you for the work of the ministry. I want you to understand you are agreeing to that today. If this is your church, you are agreeing to that today. You are going to submit to their authority. And I am agreeing to share the responsibility of leading this church with them. This is no small thing that we're doing today. I don't want us to sit here like I sat through that first quinceanera and just knew it was important and have no idea what was going on. This is a big deal. And so today we're going to do this. The first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to just give you a charge as a church. Then I'm going to give a charge to these men. Then we're going to pray for them and their, and their wives. And then we're going to sing loud to Jesus. And so the first thing I want to do is just give a charge to you, the church. Here is my charge to you. As your pastor, this is what I am charging you to do. This is what I am commissioning you to do. This is what I am asking you to do. That's not a strong enough term. This is what I am, this is what I am I'm needing you to do. This is what I'm needing you to do. I'm needing you to do what it says in Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I'm asking you, church, to help these men equip you for the work of the ministry. Take seriously the calling in their life and submit to that so that leading you can continue to be a joy. This is a joyful place to lead. The staff here likes to lead here. Service team leaders like to lead here. Community group members like, or community group leaders like to lead here. This place is a joy to lead and I want us to continue that. And so here are my three requests for you, church. Pray for these men and their families daily. You need to be lifting up these men and their families daily. I encourage you to pray strongly for them as they seek God's will to best lead you. Pray for their marriages and their children and their personal walk with the Lord. Satan would love to trip these guys up. Whenever anybody steps out to serve God, Satan would love to trip them up and and hoping by tripping up a leader that others will fall down too. And so you should lift these people up every single day as you have me for for the first three years of this church. I'm asking you to pray for them daily. If you wonder how often should I pray for the elders of this church, you should pray for them every single day. It should be part of your daily prayer walk that you would pray with them. Second church, I want you to make it a joy for them to lead. You alone have the power to do this. One of the ways that you can do this best is to be honest with them. 
One of the very first things that's going to happen when they become elders, when they, when they are ordained today, tomorrow, at some point in time, they are going to get a list of names of the people that they are assigned to. The four of us will share the load of reaching out to you, to checking in on you, to caring for you, to asking how you are doing. And when they call you and ask how you are doing, you are doing them no service in their attempt to help you do the work of the ministry if you don't be honest with them. They, they need to know, like, how are things really going? Is your marriage struggling? They want to know that. They want to be able to pray for you. You are not helping them if you're not honest. If you're not honest with your pastor or your elder, it would be like going to a doctor and the doctor says, hey, what's wrong? How are you feeling? And you say, I feel great when you don't feel great. I mean, how is the doctor supposed to help you if you don't say, hey, I, I got a shoulder strain and I don't know what's going on with it? If you just go in there and fake it out, then it's not going to be of any help to you. And so I'm asking you to make it easy and a joy for them to lead by being honest. Tell them what's going on. And church, I'm going to ask you to submit to their authority. If you believe that these men have been given as a gift to equip you to live out the Great Commission, you ought to joyfully submit to them. It's not that there are not other people here that could be elders. Somebody asked me this week, well, why did you pick these three guys and not somebody else? And I was like, well, these are the ones I picked first. Is somebody else to come along down the ramp? I mean, we didn't just plant a church to stick around for three years. I, I hope to be here for a long time. They're going to do it for three years, so they're going to get tired, and then they're going to rotate off. I bet. And then we'll get some more people in here. It'll be great. That's why I picked them, because I wanted to. You want to pick them? You be the pastor. Submit to their authority. I know submission is like this horrible like, word in our language. We get all nervous about it. But it's fantastic to submit to somebody that knows what they're doing. And it's fantastic to submit to somebody that actually cares about you. It's fantastic to do that. I mean, nobody gets on an airplane and then walks up to the pilot and is like, hey, you know what? I was thinking maybe I'd fly today. Seems like you fly a lot. Wait, wait, you got some wings? I got wings too. Got them when I was a little kid from the stewardess. I'd like to fly the plane. What are you doing? Sit down. Like, dude knows what he's doing. Let him do it. It's a joy to just sit there. I love getting on. I, I actually hate getting on an airplane. But, but, I, but, I, but if I'm on an airplane, if I have to be on one, I like to just like go to sleep and just trust that the pilot knows what he's doing. It's like to submit to that. That's my charge to you, church. And now I want to give a charge to our elders. And they're, they're sitting around the room, and I'm just going to give a charge to them before I invite them up here. And I want you to hear this charge. I want you to hear what they're being charged with so that you can better understand what they have agreed to do. Scripture gives us clear qualifications for the role of pastor-elder in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And in that passage, we'll encounter the term overseer, but that term is synonymous with pastor-elder. Matt, Andy, and Elfie, I know that you're familiar with this passage and the qualifications, but today I want to remind you that these are not qualifications that you simply achieve once in your life. It's not like you've reached it. It's not like it has happened. These are qualifications you're going to have to aspire to every single day. These are qualifications you're going to have to die to yourself to, to aspire to every day. These qualifications as laid out by the Apostle Paul are the qualifications qualifications you have been demonstrating for these past many years. One of the easiest ways to figure out who you want to be an elder is to look around the room and see who's already eldering. When I look at Matt and I look at Alfie and I look at Andy, they are already eldering. They are already caring for people. They are already leading people. They are already leaning into God's word. They are already doing the things, they're doing the work. And so guys, I want to remind you that you're going to continue to do this. And so let's look at this text together. And in doing so, we're going to share four exhortations. Matt, Andy, and Alfie, you 
are pursuing a noble calling. This is a noble calling. 1 Timothy 3 one says this, The saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It is a noble task to aspire to the office of elder. And what are those tasks? What will you be doing as an elder? Well, as an elder, you will preach and teach the gospel of Jesus. Sometimes you'll do it right here on this stage, and other times you'll do it as you are serving on service teams or in community groups. You will do it as you're having coffee with people. You will do it over phone conversations. You will do it as people call you into their house and tell you about the struggles that they're having. You will preach the good news of Jesus to them. You will direct the affairs of the church. This is an elder-led, congregationally approved church. And so you will help direct the affairs here. You will help us figure out how to do hard things that we have coming up in our future. You'll help us figure out where we're going to buy a building or lease a building. You'll figure, help us figure that kind of stuff out. You'll help us figure out how to make hires and, and, and what to do with our money and, and how to manage it well. You're going to do those kinds of things as elders. You're going to shepherd the flock. You're going to care for them. That looks like caring for the people that are hurting. That looks like running off wolves that threaten them. That's what you will be doing. And I know that you men have been doing this for a long time and you will continue to do so. And you are going to guard the church from error. If this church were to go off the tracks, if, if I as the pastor were to go off the tracks, it is you who would be the ones to say, hey, get back on. You're going to guard us from error. This is what you're going to do as an elder. This is a noble calling and it's been answered by imperfect people for the last 2,000 years. And you know that you have been qualified this, not because of anything that you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. And so Matt, Andy, and Alfie carry out your noble calling. second thing I want to exhort you to this morning, gentlemen, is this. Matt, Andy, and Alfie, the characteristics that you have displayed thus far should describe you until Jesus calls you home. This is how you should be described by people. 1 Timothy 3.2 says this, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, above reproach. Do nothing that would give anyone a reason to doubt your noble calling. Do nothing that would trip somebody else up. You should be the husband of one wife. I want you to protect your marriages. These three guys got a text from me this week that said that your wives should be telling me that their marriage to you is sweeter for you serving in this role. That is what we want. That is your first ministry. I want you to be sober-minded and self-controlled. There'll be days that are hard ahead of you, days that are hard when you're doing things that are difficult to face, and so I want you to do so with self-control. I have seen this in all three of you, and I want you to continue to do that. I want you to be respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. You will have a hard time finding three people that are better at exuding these three characteristics, respectable, not only of themselves, but to others, hospitable, always willing to go the extra mile to help somebody out, and able to teach. These are three of the most teachable people I have ever worked with. This is who they are. Matt, Andy, and Alfie, I encourage you to continue to exhibit the characteristics that Paul calls out in this letter as you have. And in the same way that you're being encouraged to continue to do certain things, you are also being encouraged to continue to refrain from certain things. 1 Timothy 3.3 says, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. I have seen, I've seen this in your life. These are not things that describe you. 
And as the, the pressures of doing this job come upon you, these things should still be far from you. Avoid these things. Avoid violence and quarreling and, and the love of money. I know that you have, and I ask you to continue to do these things. The third thing I would say to you three this morning is this, Matt, Andy, and Elfie, your family is your first ministry. Your family is your first ministry. It is your most important ministry. We will not be a church that asks the pastor or elders' families to suffer for the church. That is not who we've been. It is not who we will be. 1 Timothy 3, 4-5 says this, He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Good luck, Andy, with Madeline. <laughs> Strong-willed child. Strong daddy. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Manage your household well, gentlemen. Lead your family well, gentlemen. Love your family well, gentlemen. Your family should be better for this. There'll be days, there'll be nights, there'll be times when we have to have meetings and they go long. And when that happens, you'll make sure that you love your family well. That they never question whether or not this is good for your family to do this. Keep your family first. And finally this, Matt, Andy, and Alfie do the work of an evangelist. First Timothy 3, 7 says, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders. So that, they, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. It is good to have a reputation amongst those who do not yet believe that is a good reputation, and so I want you to do that. I, I, I know how the three of you work out in a world where you are around people that don't yet know the good news of Jesus, and it is my prayer and my hope that they will continue to get to know Jesus through your witness. So do the work of an evangelist. As I read over the qualifications that Paul has shared with Timothy in this letter, they describe you three. So today in front of this church, I affirm and call you to continue to pursue this noble calling, exhibit the characteristics of elder, make your family your first ministry, and do the work of an evangelist. And so now I'm going to ask you three to join me on stage along with your wives. I'm going to ask my wife to come up here as well. <clears throat> Church, I just want to I just want to personally talk a little bit about each of these guys and, and and why they were chosen. Somebody asked me this week, well, how do you know you picked the right three guys? I know exactly how meetings are going to look moving forward. I know what will happen when we have to figure out how we do things. This is what will happen. Well, we'll walk into a meeting and there'll be, there'll be something that needs to get done. There'll be a decision that needs to be made. And this is what's, what's going to happen. Alfie's going to open up the scriptures. I, I just know what he's going to do. I know him well enough to know what he's going to do. If we have to try to figure out how to do something hard, Alfie's going to open up the scriptures and he's going to say, what does God's word say about it? And Matt and Andy are going to say, yeah, what does it say? And we're going to look at that. And then Andy's going to say, give me all the facts and all the figures. Give me, give me all the information that there is to have. Give me all the things that need to happen. And then, and, then, and then we will do the hard thing that needs to get done. And he's going to think about all of that stuff. And Matt's going to say, how can we do all of this and protect people's heart really, really well? 
This is what you have right here. You have, you have spirit, you have knowledge, you have heart. All three of them have all of these things, but the three of them together possess these things in such remarkable ways. That's what it's going to look like. So I've known Alfie for the longest of all the three men up here. There was a, a, an occurrence where Alfie and I were in the same Bible study, and the person that was leading that Bible study ha- had to leave. I don't remember where he went, but Alfie and I got tasked with leading the Bible study together. And I have to tell you, I was so intimidated to lead a Bible study with Alfie. I was so intimidated because Alfie knew so much more about Scripture than I do, and he still does. And I'm so glad that he's here. Alfie's a great preacher, and I'm so glad to, to be here with him. And I have loved to watch the marriage that he's had with Ruby and how fantastic they have been. And since the time that they got to this church, they just got here and they jumped in. They work hard. They, they, they work alongside of us. I dare you to find somebody to outwork Ruby. <laughs> I'll tell you about Andy and Karen. When I first met Andy, I was a little unsure of him. <laughs> I was a little bit unsure of him. And he was a little bit different of a character back then. But this is what I know about Andy. Andy is a protector. And he loves his family. And he loves the bride of Christ, which is the church, in a way that he would sacrifice for them. There's never been anything I've ever asked Andy to do that he hasn't done. He's a fantastic human being, and you would be well off to just be around him. He's married to one of my very best friends, Karen, who is my assistant, who, who puts this church ahead of herself all the time. They have an amazing marriage. They are raising an amazing child. She's a lot. She doesn't like me all the time, but I'm trying to win her over. It's very good. It's going to be an honor to serve with them. And then Matt, I didn't like... I was, in, I, I, I was intimidated by Alfie. I was unsure of Andy and Matt I didn't like. Matt and I didn't like each other in the beginning. We didn't like each other in the beginning because we had a difference of opinion on how to do something. But what we realized as we started to work together, shoulder to shoulder, to go out and love God's people, to go out and live on mission together, the things that we disagreed on were never as important as the things that we do agree on. And now I would count him as my best friend. It has been a long time that I've been calling him pastor, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't go with it. <laughs> this morning I called him it, and he accepted it. I dare you to find somebody that loves people better than Janine does. That's why she's in the role that she's in in this church. They are a fantastic couple. If you wonder like, what should a marriage look like where two people truly love each other and put each other first all the time, this is what it looks like. Because this is a great elder board that we have put together as a church, and we are honored to follow them. And so now I'm going to ask my wife, who's so good and so fantastic, and is reminding me not to fall off the stage, (laughs) to pray for these women, and then I'm going to pray for these men. And I'm going to ask you, church, to just stand together with us as we pray for them. Is it on? church just as these uh, men have been called as these women have as well so I just ask that you join me in prayer as we pray for the women and their family hey Lord thank you so much for this day and Lord we are just overwhelmed by the joy that you give us on a daily basis father and the privilege that you give us to serve your church Lord I just pray for each of these women Lord they're strong women they're gracious Lord and they love the church, Lord, and they love those who do not know you. Father, I just ask that you 
Just affirm them, Lord, that you keep them safe as they continue to raise their families and continue to love on their growing families, Lord, as they continue to love on their grandchildren as well. Father, I ask that you help them and show them favor as they flank their husbands, Lord, as warriors for your kingdom and on mission, Lord. Father, I just pray that you just show favor on them, Lord, and protect them and help them to love this church well. In your name we pray. God, I want to thank you for the work that you've already done in these men's lives, for the growth that you've already shown in them, for the empowerment that you've given them in their spirit. Lord, I ask that you would continue to lead them well, continue to draw them close to you as they seek to lead your church. Lord, I ask that, uh, that you would continue to strengthen their marriages, that you would continue to strengthen their families. Lord, that this would be a joy to serve in this capacity. Lord, I thank you for these men. I thank you for their friendship. I thank you for bringing them here to help equip this church, this body of believers for the work that you've given us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Church, I want us to understand, you can have a seat. I want us to understand that all of this, all of this, how do you get from Easter to elder? All of this is because we are a people living on mission to make Jesus known, to do what he said to do, to go out into the world, to teach people everything he taught, to baptize them in his name. And what is it that we are trying to teach people? Why do we need elders? Why do we need leaders? Why do we need people to do this? What is it that we're trying to get taught? Well, we're just trying to tell people the gospel. We're trying to tell people the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God made the world and it was perfect and it was beautiful and it worked exactly like it was supposed to. But then man sinned and broke it it's our sin that breaks the world. It's brokenness. And we see evidence of that brokenness all around us. And the worst part of the brokenness that sin causes is that it separates God from His people. But God loved the people, our peop- these people, our, all of the people so much that He wouldn't leave them in that separated state. And so He sent Jesus down here on a rescue mission to save them. And while Jesus was here, he lived the perfect life that you and I never could. He died the horrific death that you and I deserved. And he defeated that death so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. That is what we believe. That is why we gather here every week. That is why we are living on mission. That is why we are commissioning these men to help equip us for that work, to go out and tell people that. And if you have never believed that, I want you to believe that today. Maybe you came here today and you just came here to see your buddy get ordained. Maybe you didn't even know what that meant. Maybe you just came here because somebody invited you. You don't have no idea what any of this stuff means. I want you to know today the gospel, that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus down here to save you, and that if you can believe in that, you can spend eternity with him. So church, can you believe today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the mission you've called us to live on. And Lord, we ask you to help us live boldly on that mission. We ask that you would help us this week even to go out into the world to tell people about you, to teach them about you. And if you you would make it able, Lord, we ask that we would be able to baptize them in your name. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.